section three of flower patch among the hills this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathleen. Flower Patch Among the Hills by Flora Glickman. About Getting There, Part Two. Then there was the fish. It was on an occasion when Virginia was coming down by herself and thus lacked the restraining and more practical hand of Ursula. Now, as I have already hinted, Virginia is an intelligent girl she can tell you exactly how many million tons of certain chemicals could be excavated from the very bottom of vesuvius if only they could manage to put out the fire of course and how if these million tons were applied to the land in mars as artificial manure the wheat crop they would produce in one year if only you could raise their temperature a few hundred degrees and this could easily be done if you transfer by wireless the heat that isn't needed in vesuvius to mars or is it the moon where they do want it why then where was i oh yes the wheat crop they would harvest per annum would be sufficient to feed the whole of the inhabitants of this planet of ours and several others thrown in for i forgot how many dozen years yes she is a very bright girl just as well informed on any other subject you like to mention excepting fish there she draws a woeful blank she has no more notion how to tell fresh fish at sight than a baby still she is generous in her intentions and as no one ever thinks of journeying to the cottage without taking something in the eatable line it is only right to take a little present when you go to stay with friends isn't it virginia cast about as to what she could bring game has no attraction we have plenty of that fish on the contrary is a rarity although our river is full we seldom see fish at the cottage excepting a very overdue variety that a man peddles round occasionally so she decided on fish alas and hastened into the first fishmongers she saw and ordered a dozen pairs of soles she maintains that wasn't what she meant to ask for it was oysters she wanted to bestow on me and she went in with the definite intention of purchasing a dozen oysters at that moment however her mind was somewhat preoccupied with a scientific invention she was thinking out whereby no woman need ever again handle a broom or carpet sweeper or anything of that kind it was a simple device consisting of a vacuum between the layers of leather on the bottom of the shoe and some sort of a section arrangement whereby you drew up the dust from the carpet or wherever you walked just by stepping on it you would clear as you go and instead of a person trailing dirt up and down the stairs by walking straight in from the garden and up to the top attic they would really be giving the stair carpet what would be equal to a good brushing moreover not only would spring cleaning be banished for ever when her invention was perfected but your shoes would never more need mending the dust collected in the shoe being subject to so many cubic inches of pressure due to the person standing on top of the shoe would become so compressed and self-adhesive as to offer a direct resistance to the friction set up between boot and alien matter trodden upon 
equal to the inverse ratio of i haven't the faintest notion what but i dare say you can follow her line of argument she herself says she is always lucid and concise at any rate i remember she said that it was terribly hard to be the mother of a huge family of boys who not only trailed dust and dirt into the house at all times and seasons but also wore out innumerable pairs of boots into the bargain whereupon i reminded her that neither of us need worry personally about that just yet she agreed but said that she did not alter her desire to benefit her day and generation and to rid the world of the burden of the broom and she was meditating on this and thinking of all the leather we had wasted by letting it wear off the bottoms of our boots when she saw the fish shop and though she thought a dozen oysters what she said was a dozen pairs of soles and of course i would recognize that the mistake wasn't her fault it was entirely due to the psychological action of the subconscious something that connected soles with boots and so forth anyhow the result was that she paid cheerfully for such a collection of fish as i hope i may never see again and how happy that fishmonger must have been when the transaction was completed only those who got a whiff of the fish can estimate virginia admitted that she thought the price seemed a lot for a dozen oysters soles were two shillings a pound at the time and the bag seemed heavy also she confessed that it was a trifle more than she had intended to spend on a present for me at that moment though she being a real lady would have been the last to mention it if i hadn't no she hadn't thought to look at what he put in she merely told him to pack them up very securely as she was going on a long railway journey she didn't know they were souls till she glanced at the bill in the train she consoled me with the information that fish has the most wonderful phosphorescent properties invaluable in the case of brain fag and she should see that i ate it all after a few miles of the journey the souls grew a little noisy in the rack you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth truth to tell i didn't want to look at that particular gift at all but i had to open both windows at our first stop reading when the guard came to the door and politely inquired are you ladies all right can i get you anything i asked him if he would be so good as to take charge of the big rush bag i suggested that he could tie it on to the back buffer at the very end of the train i assured him it was nothing that would hurt but he only smiled and said he had plenty of room in his own compartment the basket would be quite safe there no one would touch it i could quite believe it when he came down the platform at swindon he looked very pale and out of sorts i thought conscious stricken i pressed a shilling into his hand and begged him to get himself a good cup of tea he said he would and certainly seemed to have revived when next he passed we got it home eventually without abigail detecting it i wanted to save virginia's face before the handmaiden as we took the basket wrapped up in my mackintosh in the wagonette with us abigail following behind in the luggage cart she did say later however that she wished that peddler and his awful kippers and bloaters could be suppressed by law 
He had evidently just been round, she said, and she could smell his wretched fish all the way as she drove up. We didn't tell her what we had hidden in the old barn. We buried them darkly at dead of night, the only soft spot we could find that admitted of a good-sized trench being dug without much trouble was the moist earth beside the brook in the lower orchard next morning at breakfast time when the small dog ran in to greet us his nose and paws showed signs of active service as he joyfully dabbed brown mud on the front of our fresh print frocks and waggled his tail with the air of a dog who is conscious of heroic achievements abigail followed him with the bacon dish which in her excitement she tried to balance on the top of the coffee-pot you'd never believe what a high tide there has been in the brook she began a spring-tide i should think it washed up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of large fish on to the bank never saw such a thing in my life before first i knew of it was slipping on one on the kitchen hearth-rug dandy had brought one in wanted me to grill it for his breakfast i suppose then i found he'd carried one up to the mat outside your bedroom door and just dropped a few others here and there about the house so i went out to see where he got em from judging by the smell they must have lain there for weeks wish i'd been here with a net at the time i've never caught a live fish in my life though i've often tried to fish in the pond on peckham rye naturally we expressed great interest and suggested immediate cremation in the kitchener later on the handyman was decidedly sceptical his grandfather had once caught a trout in that brook only he gave long biographical geographical and historical details which proved that it wasn't that brook at all but he hadn't a seed any himself a coming down abigail scornfully pointed out that high tides came up and that these fish had been washed up from the river which is seven hundred feet below and she flapped one as evidence before his astonished eyes seeing is believing in our village to this day abigail's tales to cook and company and her friends at home of how she goes out and catches souls as large as place in our own brook and boils them for supper equal any fish stories ever told but to return to the luggage and ourselves which i left waiting at our little station while the luggage is being stowed into the vehicles we take stock of the platform that seems to fancy itself the pivot of the universe everybody that is going away scrambles into the train with precipitate haste as though they were trying to catch a train on the tube or a sprinting motor-bus in the strand although they know quite well that the peaceful old engine already twenty-five minutes behind time won't think of stirring again until it has had a ten minutes nap those who have just arrived seem equally in a hurry to get somewhere else and they try to squeeze three thick out of the small station gate only to plant themselves in the path just outside for a long gossip with the first person they see there are women with empty baskets returning from market and women seeing off friends each carrying a huge bookie of flowers built up in the approved style from the back first a big background rhubarb leaf or something equally green and spacious then some striped variegated grass gardeners garters we call it 
also some southern wood better known as old man's beard tall flowers like foxgloves phlox japanese anemones early dahlias and sunflowers follow the shorter stems of pinks calceolarias sweet williams and roses are the next in succession finishing off with some gorgeous pansies and a very fat cabbage rose with a short stem that persists in tumbling out a piece of sweet briar and a few silver and gold everlasting flowers down low in the front if you have a geranium in your window etiquette demands that you add the best spray as a special offering to the bunch telling your friend all about the way you got that geranium cutting and the trouble you had to rear it you know the sort of complacent well-packed bunches that are the result of this combination not artistic of course according to town standards but all the same they are dears and i always feel i want every one i see the station itself is a flower garden and even in the space outside where the motor-cars await the rich and the wagonettes and carts await the nearly poor primroses and violets and cowslips and bluebells grow thick on the banks naturally the arrival of the train is a matter of local importance and if you happen to be near the station about train time you go in and sit on the platform just to see who comes or goes and how well everybody looks and sturdy and brown after the pale anemic faces we have left in town you think how happy they must all be here in the fresh air and the sunshine so they ought to be and so most of them could be if only they kept a lookout for happiness and seized all that came their way but human nature the world over seems to love to contemplate the tragic or at least to pity itself the result is that every other person you meet in our village will tell you a tale of woe as highly colored as anything you hear in town how do you do i inquired last time i arrived of a comfortable healthy-looking woman who had just been seeing her daughter off by train her husband is a steady man in regular work she owns the cottage she lives in and a pig and has no difficulty in supplying the wants of her family which are few oh i'm not up to much im im she began things is so hard nowadays and no one gives we a bit o help there's that jane price she got a pound of tea and a hundred weight of coal and a red flannel petticut from the lady of the manor at christmas and she be a widder with ony her children but i ony got some tea and a petticut not a nice colour red neither no coal nor nothin and thur i've got he to keep as well as the children and in course i need it was in her due further along the platform i spoke to the wife of a small farmer a healthy soul with nothing much to worry her but she didn't intend to be behind hand with trouble other people found plenty to moan about she wasn't to be outdone you've heard of the awful time i'm having with my husband fell down in the wood and broke his leg in four places suffers terrible he does i expressed sympathy and asked her how long he had been in bed oh he isn't in bed can't spare the time to lay up with the haymaking just on he's cutting the five-acre field to-day he gets about but he has an abundation of pain at nights yes you're right very active he is 
there's no keeping him still he'll walk to his own funeral he will actually the man had a touch of rheumatism finally we are settled in the fly piled up with the lighter luggage while abigail and old bob's nephew follow in the cart to the stranger who has never been in our valley before the drive to the cottage is a thing of wonder to those of us who do the journey many times in the course of the year new beauties are always revealing themselves and the whole scene seems more lovely each time we look upon it if that be possible the station is on the river level down in the green depths of the valley but you cannot go many yards on level ground as the hills on either side of the river are steep with nothing but the narrowest footpath in places between their precipitous sides and the fast rushing water in many cases the cottage gardens on the hillside have to be kept up with walls of stone as one sees the vineyards built up on steep hillsides in vine-growing districts otherwise the rains and swollen brooks would wash the earth down in the winter into the river below the horses start the ascent as soon as they leave the station and pass through the small village which shows a curious medley in the way of architecture in the wall of an old cowhouse there is a gothic window built probably with stones taken from the ruined abbey all the windows of one cottage bear an ecclesiastical stamp before the beautiful ruin was carefully guarded as it is now people must have gone and helped themselves as they pleased to carved stonework and any fragment that they could make use of and thus you may find an exquisite bit of carved stone in a most ordinary three-roomed dwelling some of the cottages and barns may have been part of the abbey property at any rate one comes on architectural surprises in the most unexpected places but even though in this district man's handiwork has achieved wondrous things it is the work of nature that claims the attention the abbey seems a huge pile when you stand under its roofless walls but once you start to ascend the hills everything takes on new proportions no longer are you shut in by two high green hill walls the higher you go the smaller become the hills that are nearest to you as they reveal far greater giants behind them the blue welch mountains rise up still further beyond again below the river winds and loses itself seeming to come to an abrupt end against a barrier of dark green slopes but it evidently finds a way out for it is seen further on in the far distance a silver gleaming band still winding and still guarded by mountains that now are tinged with the purply blue tone that nature uses for her distant effects the lanes through which we pass are miracles of loveliness with their ferns and flowers and birds and butterflies but i think one's overwhelming thought is of the grandeur of the distances one is always looking away to the far off to the farms and small homesteads dotted at rare intervals on far heights and among the forests to the peaks beyond peaks to the light playing on miles of birch and oak to the shadowy coombs where hills drop down into other valleys i have always noticed when i am bringing anyone for the first time from the station to my house that though i point out the roadside springs and waterfalls the glory of the hedges the rose-colored honeysuckle that grows over one cottage smothering roof chimneys and all the visitors do not expend so much admiration on any of this 
it is always the inexplicable mystery of the hills that holds them every five minutes takes one higher and reveals a further panorama beautiful as are the lesser things lovely as is the old ruined abbey the human and the near seem to slip away from you as you look across the deep chasm where the river lies below to the vastness on the other side there is a power a force born of great heights and great spaces that cannot be explained but is surely felt by all who have not mortgaged their soul to mammon there was a depth of mystic meaning in the words of the shepherd poet even in the world's young days when he wrote i will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help it takes you about an hour to drive up to the cottage and by this time the lane has grown so narrow and so bumpy that you marvel the horses have ever got you there at all but when you have reached the little white gate you stand and look in silence a new touch is added to the landscape you are now high enough to look over the tops of some of the intervening hills and there away beyond between a dip in the hills you see a gleaming band of silver the waters of the channel some people consider no scenery perfect unless there is a railway in the foreground to take them back to town as soon as possible some artists always want a touch of scarlet to complete any picture myself i always think a glimpse of water is needed to make a beautiful view absolutely satisfying at my cottage i am doubly blessed i can see the river in the valley below and beyond there is the channel towards which that river is ever hurrying during the drive up the small white dog with brown ears sits on the box seat dividing his time between shrieking billingsgate insults to every local dog i blush for his manners and he looks so refined too and licking old bob's face not that he has any particular affection for our driver but he gets quite hysterical when he sees the countryside and scents the rabbits and old bob is the handiest recipient for his overwhelming gratitude a few dogs trail after us through the village telling him and one another what they will do when they get hold of him but they fall back when it comes to the hill and our own treasure looks triumphantly ahead for new dogs to revile deluding himself with the idea that he has slain all behind him and left their corpses in the road occasionally he ceases to be a bullying moor-dog and becomes almost human then he suddenly looks round at us wags his tail all he knows how and gives a little whimper that plainly says isn't it good to be here again and we all agree it is good to see the hills and the valleys the sturdy trees and the tender little ferns growing out of the walls best of all it is good to see the small white gate and the red tiled roof and the blue smoke curling up oh so peacefully from the cottage chimney it is good to see the flowers smothering the walls and the garden beds and very good to greet one's own furniture again one's own rooms one's own familiar things no matter how humble they may be for months we have clean forgotten that the living-room window requires two thumps if it is to be got open yet without a moment's hesitation ursula pulls off her gloves the moment we enter the door makes straight for the window and gives it the requisite couple of vigorous bangs 
so as to let in the evening scent of the honeysuckle that is thick about the porch for months it may be we have forgotten entirely that the lid of the biggest brown teapot has a knack of tumbling off into the teacup unless it is held on while one pours and yet the moment i take up that teapot again instinctively my hand grips the lid there is an indefinable spirit of welcome in all these little familiar things so commonplace and feeble and stupid they would seem to outsiders yet to us they imply that we belong it is part of the all-pervading rest that we find among these hills that we go on from just where we left off last time we don't have to start afresh or get acquainted with the place or learn anything new there is a great charm in returning to familiar scenes that is missed by those who are always rushing off on some new quest true they may find interest in another direction but i think with most of us excepting when we are very young and very inexperienced the homing instinct is strong i have laid my battered brain on pillows in some of the largest hotels in the world but i have never known in any of them the peaceful rest that is to be found in the cottage bedroom despite its sloping roof i am not saying that there is nothing whatever to disturb one there all too often mr and mrs starling several of them persist in building under the tiles just above my head and the various families demand breakfast at three thirty yet i even get to sleep through this there is one thing however that always wakes me and calls me in a most peremptory manner to get up and that is the return of the swallows one morning in april or may when the sites are being chosen for the new nests under the eaves it is such a sweet little chatter such a bubbling over of comment and advice and reminiscence as they get their first beakful of mud and start to lay the foundation stone of the nest what do they say i often wonder they seem to talk the whole time and explain to each other the excellent residential qualities of their various positions one thing i am sure they say and they twitter it over and over again i know they mean it though i don't understand their language for the homing instinct is strong in them as it is in all of nature's children and as i listen to them in the early morning i can almost hear their words isn't it good to be here again End of section three.